Welcome to the Forensic Cop Podcast. This is LFC Call. Looking forward. Looking back. So I was thinking for this segment, I know the season is about to come to an end. We know that we're going to be the EPO champions this, this year. And so, which apparently they're not allowed to talk about in the dressing room. So apparently, Hendo said. You really think that's a thing? I apparently that's a thing. Hendo said that, and I actually believe him. They're not allowed to talk about that. Okay. We as fans know, and I believe if you listen to our chants, we'll tell you. (laughs) We're champions of the league, Um, but no, in the in the dressing room they can't talk about it. But we all know it. Yeah, and it was funny that Klopp for the first time actually acknowledged the the large gap. Last week, he said that it's crazy. I forget the words he used, but this time he said it's unbelievable. He, he, he spoke a little bit more about it. So slowly and slowly, he's beginning to reference it more because we all know that. I mean, how can you not? Right. Yeah, so, so what I was thinking was, if we think back to the greatest EPL sides that we've ever seen, um, the names that come to mind are the 99 Manchester United treble winning team. The 2002 Arsenal unbeatables, Mourinho's Chelsea team that won the back-to-back seasons in England. Um, his first two seasons in England, he won um, the league with Chelsea, and then the recent 2017 M- Manchester City Centurions. Those are the four teams that come to mind when we think of the greatest in the EPL. You could say the mid-90s Manchester United team with Cantona and. Um, and everybody else that they had back then, but really it's those four that people always think of. So so are you talking about best teams like you want to go position by position, or are you talking about the best teams like you want to think of their accomplishments, and how do their accomplishments compare to the other team accomplishments? Yeah, so it's more the team. Not necessarily the best players, but who are the best EPL teams, and what, and then comparing what they achieved. So, yeah, I mean, I honestly, I would start with Man City's Centurions just because that one's the easiest. Uh, barring some freak of nature, we will crush their uh, 100 points. And so I don't really see that there's much uh, comparison between the two. Uh, the only way we're not going to do it is if we let off the gas. They, you know, played hard the whole way. They did great. Don't get me wrong. They were a great team. But I think that one is pretty easy to kind of discount. Yeah, um, this this Liverpool team, even though they haven't yet won the league, everybody knows they will win the league, and everybody is always is already jumping the gun. And I'm talking about neutrals here, neutral pundits that they're, they're already jumping the gun and comparing them to these four teams. Um, so it would be unfortunate if we didn't end up doing more than win the league, because I think that in this season we have an opportunity to trump all of those four teams in a single season. So we do, but I guess. It also comes down to what we decide to put our resources into. So once we've won the league, do we want to go for the 100-point mark? Uh, Do we want to say, you know what? We don't need the 100-point mark. We don't need to be the unbeatables. We'd rather win the treble. So I do think that we're not as deep a team as maybe others are. So we would need to legitimately pick and choose the games we play. Not saying we can't do them all. I'm saying I just don't think that we have the money or the players that some of the other teams like Man U or Man City have where they've got, you know, probably a second team that's paid almost as much as the first team that can theoretically, you know, go in there and and win an FA Cup game. 
we would have to play our first team. And I don't think Klopp's going to do that because I think his sights are set on the FA Cup, on the Champions League and on the Cup, on the EPL. Yeah, so I think the priorities would be the EPL, which is already over. Yep. Champions League, then the FA Cup in that order. So what I would wonder is, again, and I come back to, if you listen to previous podcasts, you know my feeling on the FA Cup and the Carabao Cup. There's just not a lot of money in it. And I think Liverpool going for the unbeatables would actually make the most financial sense short of the Champions League. So Champions League would probably make the most sense financially, but going for the unbeatables, uh, sorry, going for the, yeah, the unbeatables would be the accomplishment that would get us on TV the most. So if we're talking... How do you figure that? So uh, if you're talking, say we're five games left in the season, we've won the league, everyone knows it, and we haven't lost the game, we're going to be on TV, right? They're going to play every... The the broadcasters are going to choose the Liverpool game as long as we stay unbeatable. And remember, for every single game that we have on TV in England, we get just over a billion pounds. Sorry, just over a million pounds. So if you're talking, if we can remain unbeatable for the next, how many games do we have in this season? 12? 12. 12 games. That's just over $12 million. Uh, sorry, 12 pounds. million pounds. So you're talking financially, that's number two after Champions League and FA Cup is number three. Money only. But I guarantee you that nobody in Liverpool is prioritizing that way this season. I guarantee you that the players, the staff, the coaches and probably even the owners, the money people who are just essentially taking the lead from the owners, right? I, I, I think they know that this Liverpool team has a chance to be immortalized and they'll be immortalized primarily by winning the treble, then possibly the 100 points, then the um, obviously the unbeatable as well. So... That's a that's a good point. So I think Man City Centurions is pretty easy to decide if we're better than them or not just by whether we get 100 points or not. Right. So that one's straightforward. Chelsea's back-to-back titles. That one's a tough one just because last year we ended up, I mean, 97 points. You'd win a title any year other than last year and the year before with cheating Man City. I'm sorry, Man City uh, getting all those points. Yes, they did cheat. Yes, maybe they should be reduced in points. But again, um, I I see the back-to-back titles. I see that as something that we're either legitimately close to or we can potentially take a run at next year. It would be, for me, the unbeatables and the treble. But let me ask you, if you had a choice right now, win the treble or become the unbeatables, which one would it be? Treble, hands down. Because that means that we'd win the Champions League for two years in a row. That's the bigger picture. So bigger picture for me, and you know I'm a money guy, is Champions League and FA Cup because that means more money. Um, I do. I have read about uh, the Unbeatables and I've read some interviews with some of their players and they did talk about by the end of the season their focus was so uh, much on becoming the Unbeatables, uh, not losing a game. They weren't going out to win anymore. They were going out to not lose and that affected their play in the FA Cup, affected their play in the Champions League. And so... There's almost a part of me that would say I kind of want us to lose in the Premier League just so we can get that out of our system and go for the treble because I see better value and and better things in the treble. Whereas, uh, you know, there's there's a chance that 
aiming to become unbeatable could actually cost us the other two. That's that's exactly the same thing that I was thinking, and it's the same thought that I had last year when a lot of people were saying, and I agreed that maybe we're better off not advancing in the Champions League so we can focus on the league. But then, because we advanced in the league in the Champions League, that ended up being the um, the the one thing. It was it was like the saving grace of last season that we ended up in the Champions League final. So when we lost the league, we still had a Champions League final to play for. Right? That would have been devastating. To finish last year with nothing would have been devastating. Right. Uh, to finish last year with, you know, in retrospect, I have to tell you, I'm actually prefer having won the Champions League last year. And then going for the EPL title this year. It's kind of working out well. It's working out well for a couple of reasons. One, I think it sticks in Pep and Man City's crowd just a little bit more. Unless they win the Champions League this they're year. They're not winning. They're not getting to Real. Uh, but, I agree. But if, like, it just, if it's nice in the way that last year we would have eked out the win. And this is my thing where uh, we were talking earlier about this... Uh, potentially Man City losing points in prior years, which absolutely they should because they cheated, but that's another story. Liverpool might win in 2014 or something like that, and that would almost be anticlimactic because you've been waiting 30 years, or if it was 2014, you would have been waiting 20-something years. Winning by eking it out is good. Winning by backing into it because someone else loses points is not so good. Especially four years later, or six years later. Especially six years later, but then winning it by crushing the league and just making an example of everyone every single game is just like if you're gonna break a streak that's how you do it exactly you know and it, i i would almost like as much as i kind of want the trophy just so we could have another trophy from 2014 or or maybe last year if they decide to do it um it would be more a case of i kind of don't want it because it would just be so cool Winning it this year in the way we're winning it is just unbelievable. Right. Plus, I don't want Raheem Sterling to come back for an open bus tour. Oh, my God. He was on the 2014 team. He was. Oh, no, no, no. You know what? I take it all back. <laughs> I've completely changed my mind. It's not that I would prefer to win it this way. I don't want Raheem Sterling to get another. Oh, yes. He would get one. Because I was thinking he'd lose one for Man City, but he wouldn't. No. He would just get one for Liverpool. Right. Although we can all sleep in comfort knowing that he will not get another one this year. And he won't get Champions League for the next two years if they're banned. So. Unless he comes back home. He won't come back. And it's not home anymore. He's made his decision. You know what? Where a guy like... Funny enough, I, I think a guy like Coutinho might eventually be welcomed back even though he left poorly. I think Raheem Sterling left even worse and I don't think people want him back. Right. Like when you see Sterling play... Um, at Anfield and you see Coutinho play at Anfield Sterling was heckled mercilessly and and quite you know viciously whereas Coutinho I think people weren't happy about but I could see them coming around you know it's it's also one thing to leave to go to the team that you always wanted as a child to play for and it's another thing to go to the rival of the team you're playing at just because they got a few more bucks and you're a bit of a you know and the players know. If you ask the players, I, I'm pretty sure that they had they have no problem with Coutinho coming back. I I would agree. I think if you ask the players if uh, if Sterling could come back, I think Gomez might have a bit of a problem. And if Gomez has a problem, then Van Dyke has a problem. If Van Dyke has a problem, then everyone has a problem. So I don't think Sterling would be welcome back. Which, by the way, I don't know if you've noticed, but Sterling, despite his injury, has actually not played very well after that incident with Gomez at the national team. 
which warms my heart. Right. So going back to the the uh, potential for this season, um, by the end of the season, they could be the EPL champions. They could go the whole season undefeated. They could win the treble, become back-to-back Champions League um, winners. They could get the most points ever, and then they could also win by the biggest points margin ever. If they can do all those four th- or six things, then I think you can say this is this is the best EPL team in history. So I would actually go a step further. I would say you're probably looking at the best team in the big five divisions in history. Because you have to think, they have gotten the most points from their games so far of any team in the history of any of the big five. And so you may be talking, again, you know, a treble within the country would put them at the top of the country. The unbeatables would put them at the top of kind of any division. Being so far ahead in points is really shocking. Again, nobody would have expected this. So I actually say, I think they've actually got a shot at like European level uh, dominance. They would just have to do one more thing than simply win the EPL, I think. Yes. Uh, At least one of those other things. EPL and Champions League. Uh, I think the FA Cup is, if they do EPL and FA Cup, I don't think that's the same level of glory in Europe. Uh, EPL and Champions League, I think I would care less about the FA Cup. And I think the rest of Europe would care less about the FA Cup and they'd just be crowned as, you know, the best team in Europe that's ever been, potentially. Uh, again, if they were the Invincibles. Uh, and and again, keep in mind that the Unbeatables actually didn't have that high a score. Right. Uh, sorry, didn't have that many points at the end of the season. Man U's 100 was actually more than theirs. So I think Liverpool's got a great shot and I'm uh, I'm excited for the ride. Like Like the owners told us, enjoy the ride that you're on it's a special feeling and it definitely is and we're going to have a lot of fun with it before the end of the season facts and figures so the big news of the week is obviously the man city two-year ban for uh, breaking financial fair play in terms of uh, you know what's going to happen to them how's it going to go i think a lot of people have already talked about that it's not necessarily something uh, i'm super interested in getting uh, into a discussion on but what a lot of people are, are saying and some pundits i've heard is they're saying, what's the big deal if they want to invest more money in the game? It's not a big problem, so what? And kind of here's the thing where I come from. So again, with a financial background, I kind of look at it and I say, you know, how does this affect Liverpool? And what, you know, it does financial fair play matter that much to a team like us? Who, let's face it, we're, we're a big team. We have a lot of revenue. And the bottom line is, you know, sadly we need financial fair play probably more than most of the other teams kind of in our area uh, and that's because shockingly i even i couldn't believe when i saw this our owner is actually in the bottom half of uh, wealth of owners in the epl so we actually are 12th out of the 20 teams in the epl right now in terms of the wealth of our owner how's that calculated are you looking at the owner the principal owner John Henry in isolation are you looking at his consortium his group so John Henry is the owner of his group and so it would be looking at that wealth but this is a ranking that was done by people smarter than me and uh, Forbes specifically and so we actually rank 12th um, which is John Henry ranks 12th he has 2.1 billion pounds which 12th seems, out of 20 12th out of 20 which yeah. seems like a lot but really what you're talking about is when you look at 
comparing him to a place like Man City. Uh, the the Sheikh Mansour guy actually has uh, eleven times more money than him. So if it came down to it, like let's be honest, when you're worth twenty something billion pounds, you don't really care about dropping a billion on your team if it means winning you a title. So there's no way we could compete if it wasn't for um, you know the financial fair play. Because the other thing is like, and this is a little bit disappointing or sad or however you want to look at it what liverpool is doing now i think is really good in terms of long-term development we're looking at um you know improving our stadium so we're putting more seats in it we're looking at uh we're not looking at but we're actually expanding our our training facility and so those are uh for the for the new training facilities 50 million pounds am i right something like that mm-hmm. uh for the new stands they're talking about 60 uh, million pounds on top of what has been previously spent so here's here's where the amount of money that the owner has really comes into play and that's uh, financial fair play basically says your youth team and your facilities stuff like that actually doesn't count towards financial fair play so for a team like man city they could build a new training facility they can build a new stadium they can do all that and it doesn't come out of their kind of team budget because their owner just has so much money he doesn't care for a team like liverpool when we pay 60 million pounds to expand the stadium and put new seats in that's actually coming out of our revenue and i know a lot of the people might say oh well no not really but actually it does because when all you have and i say all kind of in you know uh comparatively when all you have is two billion dollars uh, it is much more difficult to convince yourself to spend, you know, a hundred million on uh, new stadium seats and the uh, and the training facility. You're probably taking that out of the budget of the team, and that's what we're seeing. Because you take a look at last year. So as an idea, last year Liverpool made over a hundred million pounds in profit, whereas you look at a team like Man City who made about ten billion. 10 million pounds in profit which is nothing for a team spending that much and they've kind of been at that level the whole time they've always been at around 10 million where liverpool is legitimately trying to earn money because we're taking that 100 million and 50 million of it is going to the training facility this year they're talking about liverpool is going to have a huge profit of 175 million pounds or 125 million pounds whatever it works out to most likely that money is going to be earmarked for the stadium it's not going to be earmarked for new players so that's where the financial um, uh, the, the financial power and the financial strength of the owner comes in and frankly Liverpool is at a disadvantage and so that's why we need financial fair play because uh, you know Man City can kind of cheat the rules a little bit and say oh we pay a bit more for this guy a bit more for that guy but for Liverpool Football Club to improve the stadium, to improve the site, to improve uh, where we built the uh, the fan experience area, where we built the new uh, retail area, where we expanded the stands five years ago. All of that money is essentially coming out of the operating line, not just out of some billionaire's pocket. That's interesting. I, I wasn't aware of the caveat that your youth and academy um, or training facilities are not factored in because I know and that stadium too 
and, and Stadium 2 because I know that's something that Manchester City has prided themselves upon is um, their commitment to having state-of-the-art training facilities and, and a youth academy. Um, well, absolutely, because that can set them apart from a team like Liverpool whose owner doesn't have oil right. money that he can just pump straight into the team. So a, a team like Man City can legitimately gain an advantage by putting money into the training facility, into the stadium, except they're going even beyond that and they're illegitimately gaining by putting it into the actual budget of the team for player salaries, which is why their player salaries are significantly higher than ours. Their uh, transfer fees are higher than ours. But again, this is where financial play, fair play comes in. And we are truly at a disadvantage. Yeah, I'm probably the wrong person to talk to about this because I just want to see football and I just want people to play play the game. And so financial fair play, I understand the intent. It's to dissuade countries from just coming in and buying the club and all of a sudden taking over a league. I get it. So it's, it's actually... So... Yes and no. Okay. Um, originally, it was m- not intended necessarily for countries to come in and take over the league. No, to dissuade. No, no, to dissuade them from doing that. It was more because uh, PSG was bought by Middle country. Oil Money. Qatar. So, again, it was bought by an owner who happens to be a sheik there who owns most of the stuff and runs the country. Right. But um, they... So... The, the real crux of financial fair play is that some countries who may not have civil right freedoms that others in the world have were attempting to use teams as good publicity in a term that's now been called sport washing. So instead of whitewashing, it's sport washing, where you present your country as this fantastic country and look the guy running our country owns this fabulous football team that won the champions league and blah blah blah, which is why you're looking at man city psg and those type of teams that are owned by middle eastern oil money who care only and only about winning the champions league because that's the pinnacle in europe and they need to show that they're the pinnacle is the exact same reason why the club world cup was in the middle east it's the exact same reason why the World Cup is going to be in the Middle East, even though they ha- have to move time zones, they have to change it to a different season because it's too damn warm. They have to build stadiums where there are no stadiums that are never going to use them again. Like it's a sport washing experience where they're trying to get people to buy into how great this country is because of sports teams. And so they were willing to pump billions into these teams. And so... UEFA had to come up with something. And that's what financial fair play is about. And right now, uh, Liverpool is, I don't want to say benefiting, but it's one of the teams that would be in a lot of trouble without it. Which is actually something that uh, Henry said. So he actually said one of the reasons he agreed to buy Liverpool and to join the EPL was because he believed in the financial fair play. And so he wanted to see it administered properly and so yes absolutely man city was caught for the second time so for those people saying it's too harsh a punishment this isn't the first time they were caught it's the second time they were caught uh having worked in finance for a whole career i can tell you if you catch someone with something that's just the tip of the iceberg they've done way more so 
if they've been caught twice, they've done far more than that. So absolutely, I think two years is a, is an adequate ban. I think it'll hurt them. Um, but more than that, I think it'll encourage teams like Liverpool uh, and any of the other smaller teams to legitimately go for uh, you know becoming best in the world, for becoming best in Europe, and knowing that they have a shot. Where otherwise, I would say lots of these teams just wouldn't be able to compete. Critique and commentary. Okay, so uh, last week on the podcast, I brought up the uh, fact that Liverpool are uh, proficient on corners, both their own and their opponents. And you uh, accused me of helping uh, opponents in uh, revealing trade secrets. So I thought today I would return the favor and uh, reveal some trade secrets on uh, Man City, who happened to be the team of the week uh, for all the wrong reasons. Um, what I would say is very interestingly, I looked at why is our lead over them so big this year? What's changed from last year? One of the things that has stayed constant from Liverpool last year to this year is the fouling. So we mentioned it earlier in the, in the podcast about the games with uh, Norwich and with Atletico Madrid. Liverpool doesn't foul a lot. Liverpool is based on speed, uh, precision, attack and movement. Uh, and so as a team, they don't have a need to foul as much because they're very organized in the way that they play. So last year, Liverpool was the least fouling team in the league. Man City was second least fouling team in the league. But if you ever watch them play, they actually play a very different game where Man City is all about the fouls, about the, the tactical fouls, which is something I actually wish Liverpool would do a bit more of. But what kind of occurred to me is I looked at the same thing. So this year, Liverpool is, again, the least fouling team in the EPL, which is not a surprise. We haven't really changed the way we play. Man City, on the other hand, has changed the way they play. But they're actually um, not changed it so much as now they've been called for it. So Liverpool, in terms of actual fouls from last year, have gone down slightly. Uh, whereas Man City have actually increased in the number of fouls per game. So I think what we noticed from last year to this year is with VAR coming in, I think we all noticed how uh, referees are a little bit more aware. They don't want VAR to overturn everything they have, so I think they're calling the game a little bit tighter. And the things that used to be borderline are now being called, and I think that's working against Man City. So here's your uh, big... Uh, secret of the week so uh, i don't want to make it all about liverpool and and give away trade secrets i'll give away man cities which is i think pep has spent a large part of his career working on the dark arts and the big one for him was uh fouling you would always foul mm. to stop an opponent from coming forward you know the regular ones that everyone does which is delaying the game taking too long taking extra steps that's a heavy claim so that. you're talking all the way back to barcelona so I'm talking his game has. Oh, you talking about just Man Manchester? City. So I will talk for sure Manchester City, and I'll okay. leave it to those with more knowledge of history than me. Mm -hmm. But I don't feel like his game has evolved so much. Um, I feel like he's done similar things at all of his stops, and I think by his own admission, he's even said that you know fouling is part of the game, and the tactical foul is a part of the game. So I think that's something that maybe he didn't have at the beginning of his career, but he's definitely grown into it. Mm -hmm. um, and now I think that's 
the fundamental flaw for Man City. Uh, they are getting more yellows per game than they ever used to get. Um, and it's it's not just a little bit. It's a significant issue for them. Uh, so the league went up 3.6% in fouls per game this year. And my thinking just as a, an observer is that with a VAR, referees are being a little bit more careful and they want to make sure they're not being made to look silly. Uh, so the league's up 3.6%. Man City's up 20%. Liverpool is actually down from last year in fouls per game. Additionally, the league is up 8.5% in yellows per game. Or sorry, in yeah, in yellows per game. And Man City is up 62.4%. So they're far exceeding the league. And Liverpool, again, is down. So I think what I'm kind of trying to say is the Liverpool team that we see this year is very consistent to what they were last year. You know, I think we saw that at the end of last year. We saw the last, what was it, 12 games or 13 games or whatever that Liverpool won. Man City won as well. But Liverpool has continued playing that same game. And that game was predicated on, like I said, skill, speed, ability, uh, transition, um, you know, structure. Whereas Man City relied to some degree on the dark arts, on fouling at the right time, on stopping the counterattack in, you know, maybe a way that they shouldn't be doing. And this year it's kind of biting them and it's coming back. And again, there's a lot of statistics you can look at. But the thing is, they're not scoring less goals legitimately they're giving up less goals but the question is do they have the worst defense in the world no you're still talking about defenders that are worth tens of millions of dollars so it's not like these are bad players but something's off and in looking at the numbers their uh their fouling rate has gone through the roof and i'm going to turn around and i'm saying that's really the reason so if you're playing them play tough play hard um you remember you look at at uh, when they played and Zinchenko got a red card. That shoulder bump that he gave is absolutely a yellow card, but how many times have you seen that play last year where they wouldn't get the yellow? Without the yellow. Mm -hmm. And so, again, I think they're playing the same way, but this year it's just being called a little bit tighter, and that's why they're talking all about the Laporte injury, but Pep didn't go out and get a new defender because he knows that that's not really the issue. I think it's it's a bit more of a how they play the game. Uh, and so the fact that they're willing to stay with the team that they have, knowing that they've lost already the EPL, so they're desperate for Champions League and they're playing up against Real, and they're not willing to get another defender says a lot. I think they realize that it's not the defensive issue, it's the fouling. So there you go. I uh, I gave you a little bit of dirt on Man City to not feel like I'm, I'm singling out Liverpool. But again... Uh, what I would say, Man City might have the problem, but Liverpool, it's nice to see their game is clean and their game is pure. And because of that, things like uh, changes in kind of the overall way things are called, whether it be referees calling a bit tighter or VAR or whatever like that, isn't really affecting them on an overall this season. It may affect them on a game-by-game -game like it affected them in on, with Atletico Madrid, where I think they got a little bit off their game. But as an overall they are the team that they were last year and nothing's changed. And that's a good thing, given that everyone in the league needs to change a little bit because they're being called a little bit tighter this year. If Man City fails with their appeal against the two-year Champions League ban and Pep decides to stay, will he have gained your respect? No. 
it doesn't take a lot like so the way i think about it is this is the story of david and goliath nobody writes the story of like bob and goliath or steve and goliath because when goliath wins nobody cares like it it i i understand that there is some skill like you look at man U and you look at man city and they both spend ungodly amounts of money but man city wins and man U doesn't but Man City is literally spending more money than anyone else on transfers and more money than everyone else on salaries. So spending the most and winning doesn't earn my respect as much as you might think. Whereas you look at a team like Liverpool, who's third or fourth in salaries, and God knows Klopp spent, what, $1.3 million in a transfer for SEP last year. So it's not like they're spending money on transfers and they're winning. Again, to earn my respect, you need to be able to take a good team uh, with some good players even great players develop them make them greater but just going out and buying the best guys and paying them the most money you know i i still don't feel that that is uh you know i don't feel that pep deserves any more respect than he already has um just for staying at a team where and don't get me wrong i actually don't think he's staying i think he's saying all the right things but he has no intention of saying he bought himself a way out by saying previously, I fully intend to stay. I'm going to stay everything like that because I believe the owners. Now he can then turn around and say, well, I believe the owners, they were lying. So I'm not bound by that. And that's where I think his out's going to be. But no, I, I don't think there's a lot of respect to be gained or any more respect for Pep to be gained by having the most expensive team win. You know, there's there's... Man City or Man U aside, because they don't know how to spend money. If you know how to spend money and you have the most money, you probably should be winning. Do you think he would stay there? I mean, A, do you think he would stay? B, what are your in your respect? I wouldn't be surprised if he stayed because at this point, he's he, he, he's at the crossroads of his career, right? So if he leaves Man City, or I should say when he leaves Man City, which other club is he going to go to? Is he going to want to coach at the national level, right? So he may surprise us and decide that he's up for the challenge of trying to rebuild this team without Champions League football, seeing who he can attract purely based on his name. So Maybe, maybe that's a challenge that intrigues him. I don't know. So I think there's a lot of players that want to play for him. Apparently Raheem Sterling refuses to sign a new contract until he knows Pep is staying. Right. But that being said, I think that players also know, um, you know, being being in Champions League raises your stock, makes you significantly more valuable and as a, as a marketing commodity. And so for their own personal value, I think they need to move to another team. And they've got, they've got high-end players. And I, I think those guys know that they might need to leave. It depends on on the player's age. So I can totally see someone like Holland in um, Borussia Dortmund, a player like him that's still only nineteen. I can see him deciding to play for Manchester City, knowing that in three years he'll be back in Champions League, as an example. Yeah. Right? And there's probably a few more out there like that. Players at the younger um, side or the older side. Right, but players in the middle, like you would look at a guy. De Bruyne. Probably De Bruyne, how long. how could he stay? Right, right. Give up? Like he's in his prime. He's one of the best players in the world right now. As much as we dislike him, how could he choose to stay? Agreed. 
And so I think he would have to go. Um, but the other thing to what you're saying is would he leave or would he stay? Um, he's saying he'll stay, but I think two things. One, he's shown he has a shelf life mm -hmm. and he's kind of past his shelf life. And second, he's not a stupid man. I genuinely think my my statistics, like in running his statistics and seeing that clearly there's an issue in the way England is calling the game now, I think he may look at it and he may say, this might not be the league for me right now. They've changed the way they operate. Can I change enough that I could become dominant again, considering Liverpool is going to run the table for a few years? So I think he might legitimately look at it and he might say, maybe I don't want to be in this situation. Um, he might want to challenge himself. There's no question. But again, he seems to go from teams that have a lot of money to teams that have even more money. So that doesn't necessarily mean he's the kind of guy who will challenge himself. So my gut feel is he probably won't stay. Again, there's glory to be had in Champions League. And, and if you can't even play in it, what's the point maybe for a guy like him? He's won EPL. He's won the FA Cup. He won the Carabao Cup. So I think they got all three last year. What's he still have to accomplish in the EPL? Fair point.